We are talking to the co-director of Action Hero, Gemma Panton. Hello. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Um, so tell me a little bit about Action Hero and what um, got you to um, create it. Yeah, so Action Hero is um, a collaboration between me and James Stenhouse, and we've been working together creating performances and um, other work across um, using live performance for just over a decade. Mm. Um, yeah, so we create different kind of performances and, and artworks together under that name. Yeah, cool. I was just um, interested specifically for um, Hoax Bluff and how, like, you kind of got inspired to um, create a show um, filled with, you know, cliches and superficiality and such. Yeah. So we we kind of got obsessed with um, underdog sports movies and um, we were really interested in the narrative of underdog sports movies and that kind of... um, uh, the narrative structure where, you know, you kind of know that the team are going to win in the end. Um, and so we wanted to kind of uh, use that format to make a show that kind of was about stories and about narratives and why certain narratives come back over and over again and, and, and are so popular. Um, so, yeah, the, the piece is kind of like using that form, um, telling a sort of a bit of a, quite a generic story about a team and the sport keeps switching in the show if you're never kind of sure what sport it's about, but as a way of talking about about narratives of, of hope and the kind of the story of the underdog and why we always want to support them. So do you think you identify with the idea of the hero's journey? Um, yeah, I think definitely. It's definitely something that we're interested in in our work and um, particularly in that it's really kind of um, a piece that's thinking about ideas of narrative and, and why we're so drawn to particular sorts of narrative structures and, um, yeah, why we kind of want to have these kind of feel-good stories and, and kind of what kind of lurks underneath that, really, and our, our desire for, you know, to hear stories about a, a simpler time and, and whether, you know, I guess we're sort of thinking about whether that simpler time ever really existed or whether it's a sort of nostalgia for a world that was that was never really like that anyway, and I guess as a form of escapism, so we're sort of interested in that idea, really. Mm. So would you say that your audience is um, more um, older in that sense, in the sense that they're reminiscent of the past, or do you think that it's something that all of us kind of um, approach in this um, this reminiscent of any past? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's um, all audiences, really. I mean, I'd say that our audiences are probably um, younger rather than older, um, but I, I think it's the thing that everybody is familiar with, the idea that, you know, kind of feeling nostalgic about a, a particular period of time, even if you were never there, like the idea that, oh, you know, these particular narratives around the underdog or, or whatever are kind of, we imagine them to be situated in a, a certain time, in a certain place. Um, you know, kind of think about like 1950s Americana or, mm. you know, like an, an 80s high school uh, teen movie. And so it's sort of funny to think about why we feel so nostalgic about, you know, particularly, you know, because I'm not American and, and yeah. need all the audience, need all the audience to be this week. So it's kind of interesting to think about why we find find a sort of comfort in a, a nostalgic story from, um, you know, a constant out of the Mars way, I think is really interesting. So do you have, like, a different reaction of different audiences um, depending on where you perform it, do you think? 
really interesting is that because a lot of our work in this piece in particular draws on these kind of pop cultural things, which is so which feels so universal. Mm. But actually, you know, we've performed this show in, in quite a few different countries, and I think people are so familiar with that material that it, it, people kind of can connect to it and, and understand the games that we're playing with those kind of reference points really quickly. And I suppose that's what's interesting about a kind of a, like um, contemporary pop culture is that it is a kind of global pop culture, you know, for good or bad. I think there's something interesting about like dissecting that and thinking, oh, what does it mean to have kind of one narrative and uh, the idea that we might all have that narrative imposed on us and it becomes our narrative, whether it reflects our lives or not. So, yeah, it's interesting, actually, that, that people seem to connect with it in similar ways, irrespective of where they're from, because we all kind of have those influences. Mm. Would you say that you have a favourite character in that sense, of the one that you, you feel most familiar with in the narratives? I guess, I don't know, I think there, there's lots of different, because we kind of play these all of these characters in this, in the show, because we're kind of tell the story as if it's a game, as if it's a sports game, so it's kind of like the game of telling the story. So we kind of play all the characters, like we, we play the coach, we play the the kind of king of the football team, we, you know, we play the, the referee, we play you know, the, the girl that cheerleading practice, all of the characters, but I mean they're kind of quite lightly worn as characters, it's more like, I don't know, these kind of like um, archetypes on stage, and so they're all a lot of fun, you know, it's kind of like giant mascot costume mm. um, which we both wear so yeah it's kind of the pleasure of being able to play all of those characters in really quick succession it's really enjoyable would you say that you have more empathy for the archetypes that you're playing or it's particularly sat- satiristic i don't know if that's a word <laughs> um i guess yeah it's sort of like um there's something interesting about like playing with those archetypes and not having to kind of wear those characters really uh, for those characters to not be really deep because I guess the whole kind of thing that's really interesting for us is is something about like this generic story which gets repeated and repeated and repeated and mm. repeated in pop culture so the idea that you know we the sport is switching all the time in the show that the narrative is is very kind of um, straightforward and generic and, and so are the characters so there's something yeah really fun about them being sort of quite two-dimensional but there's something really interesting which happens in the show which is that the audience get so emotionally involved in the in the story of the team even though they know what's going to happen right from the beginning because it's the same thing that always happens which mm. is that you know they'll win in the end but yeah people get really emotionally involved in the show and it's, it's a lot of fun for an audience to kind of be part of to kind of indulge that uh, guilty pleasure side of yourself. Mm. Would you say that um, cliches and guilty pleasures get a bad rap? I don't know if they get a bad rap, but I suppose it's um, there's something about, yeah, I guess even the fact that we call them a guilty pleasure means that perhaps we feel like we should be ashamed enjoying these things which are cliched, but I guess we're sort of interested in having our cake and eating it a bit, so kind of like allowing those, to, to have those cliches and play with them, but also kind of poke at them a little bit and sort of see what's underneath and see why, why they're so meaningful for us and, um, yeah, kind of try and get to the heart of it a bit more. Yeah. Um, would you say that there's any characters that has inspired some of the archetypes that you've created, like cheesy 80 movies or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we kind of watch 
at every kind of underdog sports movie you can think of, we watched, <laughs> um, including a lot of really bad straight to DVD films, uh, or probably straight to VHS as it was um, back yeah. then. So, yeah, I think probably a load of films that no one's ever heard of have, have inspired them. But yeah, it's sort of um, it's funny that you know whether it was a kind of hit film or whether it was a, a film that went straight to video, the characters are all essentially the same and the story is essentially the same. But they just kind of have different names. So. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a big amalgamation of, of sort of every sports movie you've ever seen and it's sort of like all kind of thrown into the pot, mixed around and then kind of like squirted out of a giant T-shirt cannon and, and that's sort of what the show is really. Is there any um, ways that um, bringing these um, performances to different countries can be seen as a challenge to you? I mean, I guess it's always, um, you never know how a show is going to go in a particular country. I think... Like sometimes you think, oh, I wonder how this particular thing will land or whether this thing will be interpreted differently, you know, especially if you're performing to an audience where English isn't their first language. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, sometimes there's logistical challenges there. But, yeah, generally I think um, audiences are, are pretty, even if they're, you know, not necessarily, we don't necessarily speak the same language as them, I think there's something really interesting about how literate audiences are when it, when it comes to pop culture. So, yeah, there's this kind of like other language that, that we all speak that helps us to kind of, yeah, find a, a different way to communicate. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, um, Gemma, and good, good luck for the um, performances. Great, thank you.